Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. There are some mornings when you um, get up to preach, you actually stand back and think, the job's been done for me. You know, there's no real reason to get up and, and preach because what God has been revealing of himself through testimonies, through people's um, words, tends to just fit in so nicely with the, the sermon that you think, what's the point? And that's what it's pretty much been like this morning. See, as we do our series of questions that Jesus asked, the question we're going to look at today is who touched me? And the verses that we're going to read are in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, starting at verse 22. And it says, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. Now this episode in Jesus' life happens just after he's freed a demon-possessed man. Who when he asked his name got the reply legion. So, you know, it was quite a major releasing of the demons. And was just before, in case you're wondering what actually happened to Jairus' daughter. That he raised her from the dead. There was an excitement about Jesus being in town because obviously his reputation was travelling before him now and the crowd wanted to see what Jesus was going to do could he perform another miracle and heal the daughter and as they were moving along the crowd was obviously milling around I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a large crowd but 
You know, there's often when you're in a large crowd, you feel that you're not actually walking on the ground because people are pressing in so much on you. Especially if you've ever been to a large football match and you're trying to get out these tiny exits with other thousands of other people. I remember as a kid, often I would get out of football grounds without my feet touching the ground. The crowd were milling about. And the woman, the afflicted woman, saw an opportunity to touch Jesus Believing that if she did so, this affliction that she'd had for 12 years would be healed. Now you might wonder, why doesn't she just go up and talk to Jesus? And a lot of that comes down to the culture of the time. Because it just wasn't the done thing for a woman to go up to a man and talk to him. Also, if her condition were told that she was bleeding, if it was a menstrual condition, under the law, she would have been deemed unclean. And there's a process that she would have had to have gone through. But obviously, if it never ever healed, she would never be able to go through that process to make herself clean. So she wouldn't have felt fit to actually come and approach someone who was seen as a religious leader. Instead, she just waits for her moment. And as the crowd's milling around, she gets the opportunity and she just reaches out, touches Jesus. And you can almost imagine it's going to be like that, isn't it? Because of the way she's feeling. If I can only just touch his garments. She touches him. And for the first time in 12 years, her body's healed. She stops bleeding. Can you imagine how that must have felt for her? Everything that she'd hoped for, everything she spent her money trying to achieve, had suddenly come true. You can imagine how elated she's feeling. You know, it's like, fantastic, I've been healed. Better still for her, she's not been disgraced in talking to Jesus either. No one knows what has happened. She's got away with it. You know, it's almost like, tag, you're it. No one knows what's taking place. So she's healed. She's happy. She can go home now. But suddenly, Jesus stops. He looks around and he says, Who touched me? Who touched me? It's quite interesting to look at the reaction of his disciples here. Because their first reaction is one of denial. Have you noticed that? Certainly in Luke's gospel, they say, you know, they, it says that they deny it. And then they go on to say, well, look, the crowds are surrounding you. They're pressing in on you. People are bumping into you all the time. What do you mean, who touched you? There's lots of people touching you. Then Jesus goes on, to enhance it a little he says some one touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me Jesus recognized that something had happened that someone had come and put a hand on him just briefly but for some reason power had gone out from him to that person and it says that when the woman realized this 
that she wasn't hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. It's quite an interesting thought, if you think about it, that when Jesus was walking along, that many people were bumping into him. Now it's not unreasonable to think in a large crowd that there's probably people there who've got things wrong with them as well. You know, it's not necessarily that they've got major problems like being bleeding for 12 years, but they could have an ingrown toenail, you know, a cold. There could be anything wrong with them. But only one person caused power to go from Jesus. Only the one person who had the boldness to reach out and touch them. And this is the person that Jesus was interested in. What was it about that one person that caused the power to go from Jesus when other people who were walking around touching him, bumping into him, were left with their original conditions? Well, if we look at the text, we get the answer. Because when the woman does come forward, trembling, because you can imagine, she's thought she's got off with this, you know, this is fantastic, I've managed to touch him, I'm healed, great. And she thinks no one knows. But suddenly, Jesus is saying, someone here has touched me. And she's frightened, because if this man could heal her, then what's to stop him knowing exactly who the person is? So she may as well come forward. Or should she? See, even when Jesus asked a question, she could have remained silent and just hoped he didn't know. Because for us looking back and knowing that Jesus is fully God, we'd expect Jesus to know. There's something about us that we think, yeah, you know, she's never going to get away with this. But for those people who hadn't yet seen a resurrected Jesus... They could easily, she could easily have just tried to walk back into the crowd, couldn't she? Disappear and get away with it. So I think it's, it's interesting, her reaction, even though she was frightened, she still comes forward and then um, says, it was me, and falls down at Jesus' feet. Why was Jesus so keen to confront her? I think if you have a look at the culture at the time, that there's a couple of reasons why Jesus would have been keen not to just let this happen and go unrecognized. And firstly, if we go back to Israel in those times, it was a country that was absolutely full of superstition. Think about what the woman was believing in herself. If I can just reach out and touch his garments, I will be healed. There's no difference to some people who send in requests to get healing hankies or things like that. You know, it's almost like it's the garment that's doing the healing. It's a superstitious healing. Jesus didn't want this to go down. It's a superstitious healing. Because if we believe that objects have that sort of power, we're taking glory away from God. Jesus wanted to make sure that God gets the glory for this. Another reason 
because if, if anyone's seen the life of Brian, they'll realize that in the life of Brian there's a scene where there's a whole load of prophets lined up in the street. A whole load of messiahs lined up. And you can basically walk along the street and pick your messiah, who you're going to follow. Jesus wanted to make sure that people could see the genuineness of the miracle that had taken place. That there was something that had come down from heaven and actually healed a person. God had to be glorified in this situation. We had to get the focus right on this. Whilst it's great that people can have a healing ministry where God will use them as a vessel to heal people, it should always be remembered where that power comes from. It's never from the person that's laying on the hands and praying. It's always, always from God. And Jesus was keen to cut through any chance of superstitious elements coming in. Any chance of it just being another Messiah to turn around and say, no, this was God's power that's healed you. And it's healed you for one simple reason. Not because she touched his garments. Jesus tells her, you were healed by your faith. You had faith that you came and you did what you did. You would be healed. And then he points to the woman and tells her, go in peace, you're healed. And that's the difference between the woman and the other people in the crowd who were t- you know, bumping into Jesus and touching him. Because she came expecting healing. She came desperate for healing. She came trusting that Jesus could resolve her problems. Even if all she could manage to do was just touch him. It's quite interesting Jesus' response when he says, go in peace, you're healed. Because we talked about the religious leaders of the time and the law. And we said, you know, there's a good chance that the bleeding was menstrual. If it was and she's unclean then they would have expected her to go through this cleaning process before she's accepted back into society. But there's Jesus turning around and saying, no, go and live a normal life. He's showing that it's not the religious religious practices that are printing the healing. It's not the religious practices that make you clean. It's faith and it's God that makes you clean. I think when we look at that, we need to think about how we actually approach Jesus as well. You know, we mentioned that many people came into contact. We mentioned only one person was healed. When we take Jesus in our everyday lives, we're actually causing people to come into contact with Jesus as well. You know, we're told that we reflect Jesus to our community. Every time we talk about Jesus, every time we do an act of kindness, every time we portray a Christian witness to people, people are bumping in to Jesus. Here's the challenge. How do we stop people from bumping into Jesus 
and get them to the stage where they reach out and touch him. And I think that comes down slightly to where we are as Christians. And here's a challenge for us this morning. When we came to church, did we come for our weekly or our weekly bump into Jesus? Or did we come expecting that we were going to reach out and touch Jesus and have that power come through us? You know, we're going to be effective at witnessing and leading people into fellowship then we need Jesus. We need to touch out and reach Jesus and be consistent in our own approach to Jesus. And that means being bold. It means reaching for Jesus and not just coming and reaching out when we get to our favourite song or when a line in a song touches us. But being consistent throughout the worship, being consistent throughout our weeks. There are many examples of uh, healing in the New Testament, not just by Jesus, but by disciples as well. And it's already been mentioned today that Owen started this series of preaches with an example of the paralytic who was lowered through the roof and healed by Jesus. Not just of his physical ailment, but what did Jesus say to him? Your sins are forgiven you know it wasn't just a physical healing it was a complete healing you think about Peter and John when they were walking along and they saw the lame man in front of the temple you know what did they say silver and gold we have none but what we, give, eh, what we have we'll give you get up in the name of Jesus and walk and the guy gets up healed See, the great thing about healing is it's an obvious sign of God's kingdom invading earth. More so than a lot of signs we see. It's very hard to deny the evidence of an x-ray. On the Friday, there's a broken bone there. On the Monday, it's gone. How do you explain that in a physical realm? Was there a hair on the x-ray? No. God's kingdom invaded earth. What we need to realize when we talk about healing is that sickness, suffering, even death were never meant to be experienced by God's creation. It was only through the fall that these things entered into this world. That's the bad news. The good news is that one day we're going to enter eternal life with Jesus and none of these things will exist there. But in the meantime, we've got to live in a corrupted world. We suffer the same things that everyone else in creation suffers. That everything else in creation suffers. We suffer the consequences of the fall. We get ill. We suffer stressful situations. I hate to break this to you, but unless Jesus comes back in all his glory, we will all one day die. However, 
when Jesus came to earth, he came to preach a kingdom gospel. He came to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's a here and now thing. It's not just something that's coming up in the future. Not just something we step into when we die. But when Jesus came, he brought heaven down to earth. Even just thinking about his birth. How heaven burst out on earth that night. Angels worshipping in front of men. You know, how glorious would that be? And yet Jesus is saying, it wasn't just for one night. It wasn't just for his lifetime. The kingdom of God is here. And he tells us that we will do greater things than he did in his time on earth. We have been given power. When Jesus commissioned the disciples, he said, go into the earth and make disciples. But before he said that, he says, all power in heaven and earth are mine. Therefore, go into the earth. We have been empowered. We have been given a helper. Jesus said that he must go, that one would come who could help us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have been given the full armory of God at our disposal to help us to go and win a lost world. And one of those tools that God's given us is healing. It can be an incredible faith builder. You talk to someone who's been healed and they're buzzing about it because they've suffered they've been in pain even if it's a minor ailment and God heals it they still rejoice in it healing touches people at a very physical level but it's important that we've got a right view of healing before we go out there because there's a good chance that when we pray nothing will happen either because although the kingdom of heaven is here now it's not here in its complete fullness is it death still rules the world there's still suffering there's still pain there's still poverty there's still a lot of evil in this world we're between situations almost therefore we need to understand what happens when we pray and it's quite interesting when we look at Jesus that people weren't always healed in the first prayer either there was a blind man who he prayed for and when he says to him how are you doing he says well I can see some things I can see men but they look like trees it was, was never, not a complete healing at that stage what did Jesus do? He says, okay, let's come and pray some more then. We don't always get healing on the first prayer or the second or third or fourth prayer. We don't always get healing. And sometimes we don't always get healing for what we're expecting either. I was part of a leadership team that got called together to pray for a guy and 
the, the guy's situation was that he'd got divorced, remarried quite late in life. And shortly after he got married, he got cancer, terminal cancer. And then they found Jesus and became Christians. So that's their, that's their, their trip to their faith. And there was a little bit within this couple that felt they'd been cheated. Because really, I think if you spoke to them, they would have said they'd found the love of their life in each other. And they were so happy at being together. that They were an incredible couple. And yet now it looked like it was going to be stolen from them. So the leadership came together in the church to pray for him. And we laid hands on, as the Bible tells you to do. And as we're praying, you know, you're listening to God as well to see what's actually going on here. And I'll tell you about before we prayed, we asked him, you know, what is it that you want us to pray for? Because a very important principle here that when you're praying for people, you really need to make sure that what you're going to pray for is what they're wanting. You know, there's no sense just going up to people and praying if they're genuinely not wanting to be healed of something. Not everyone wants healing. Isn't that an incredible thought? But I've come upon people who are happy not to be healed. I can't understand it myself. But there are people out there. So we'd asked him, what is it you want us to pray about? And he said, I want you to pray about my cancer. So there was nothing disclosed about feelings or anything. It was just, I want you to play, pray about my cancer. Um... He wanted it healing, and he wanted it to be totally gone. So we lay hands, and we start praying for him. And as we're praying, you know, eyes closed, I suddenly got these words come into, your ma- into my mind. Your days are numbered. Now, you can imagine when you're praying for someone with cancer, that's not the sort of thought you want to go through your mind. It's certainly not the sort of words you want to speak out loud. And yet, as I was praying, I just couldn't get away from it. It kept on coming into my mind. Your days are numbered, your days are numbered, your days are numbered. And I'm like, it got to a stage where I just couldn't pray because it was so insistent in my mind that I had to say this. That I thought, I'm just going to have to open my mouth and say it. So, I gathered up some boldness and I said... I've got this, got this word, I feel it's from God. Your days are numbered. But the minute I said them, God actually put more words into my mouth than what he'd given me. Because the words that followed said, and God will not cheat you out of your allotted time. God has a plan for your life that will be fulfilled, but you need to look to God and not let your illness overshadow who God wants you to be. Now you can see the difference between that, can't you? But there was a lesson in there for me about being obedient to God. When God's telling you to do something, you do it. You see, if you think about Jesus when he prayed for healing, he didn't always just lay hands on and pray, did he? There's one guy, he stuck his fingers in his ears and pulled them out. Then he spat and put saliva on his tongue. The guy was deaf, so it was symbolic. Your ears are going to be opened. And the saliva in those days was associated with having healing properties. Jesus saying, you're going to open up your, your mouth. You're going to talk. 
of a blind man where Jesus made mud and rubbed mud into his eyes. You know, real unorthodox ways of praying for healing. I can't imagine anyone here praying for healing in those ways. But the point is, when we're praying for people, listen to what God is telling you to do. And do it. Be obedient. when, Because you don't know what God is going to do through your obedience. The interesting thing about that prayer was once we finished praying, the, the guy stated that he had been feeling cheated by God. He really felt that God was cheating him. And he struggled with the situation. But he took what God had said to him on board. And for the rest of his life he was an incredible Christian. God really touched him and through touching him he touched a lot of people as well. And he was never healed of the cancer. He did pass away. But his spirit was healed. His attitude was healed. Who he was was healed. Because he suddenly realised that he could easily be walking down the street on the day that God had allotted to him and be run over by a bus. You know, there's many things that cause us to, to die. Unfortunately, with something like cancer, you've probably got a long time to prepare, or hopefully got a long time to prepare for it. And that was his problem. Had he walked down a street, he would have been an incredible Christian and he probably would have... Well, as I suppose the way it happened, he had time to prepare it. Yeah. Something else about praying for people is always to remember that we are not the people that are doing the healing. Because I think there can be a reluctance to pray for healing in case nothing happens. But if we've got a right understanding about what healing prayer is about, then we realise that we're just a vessel for God to work through. That is all that a healing prayer is about. It's opening yourself up and being a tool that God can pick up and use. So just be open to being used. And pray with boldness about it. You know, don't be meek in your prayers. Deal with the situation. If someone's asked for prayer for something, pray into it. Like the example I gave shows, it's better to let God in and be obedient so that God can get to the heart of the problem than for us to try and guide it for us to feel that it's got anything really to do with us because at the end of the day it will be God who decides whether the person gets healed or not or whether what they've come for the prayer for is the thing that actually gets healed or not because God knows where we're at God knows what we need you know and it would be really arrogant for me if I just ignored what God was saying and then tried to put my own agenda on the prayer. Let God in. I do have a, a good example of that from a personal testimony. People who've been in the church for a while will know what this Toronto blessing was. And um, it, it really kicked off big style around about mid-90s. can't remember. 94, 95, that sort of time. And I remember going along to a meeting. And shortly before this meeting I'd had a an injury playing football where I'd actually slipped a disc and um, we didn't know at the stage that's what the problem was and they're still doing a lot of investigation to try and find out 
why I was getting a lot of pain. But I went along and there was this, this guy there now. He was probably as big as David there. Stand up David so people get an idea of your height. But he was built like a brick outhouse. A big guy. And um, there was a prayer request for people wanting healing. So I went out and it was on a stage, very, very public. And as he was going along, he's laying hands on people and people were falling over, you know, and he got to me and he just went, in the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> you know, and I sort of went like that, as you would. <laughs> and uh, thought, what was that? But of course he saw that I was still standing. And this didn't go in with his agenda, so he went, in the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to hit myself that hard for those who were wondering. <laughs> but you get the picture. At which point, you know, I took a couple of steps back and opened my eyes and I looked at the guy and I went, if you want someone to go down, there'll be one that's going down, but it's not going to be me. You're not getting me down like that. <laughs> I wasn't healed. <laughs> and it really put a downer on me about healing. Because it was such a bad experience. But I was, I, I was in Elam Pentecostal at the church. And they have a church camp at Pristatton in North Wales. And uh, at this meeting, one night there was an African person. And for the life of me, I just can't remember what he was called. But by this stage, and I knew what was wrong with me. Because x-rays had been taken, showed a slip disc. And um, I knew what the problem was. And the sermon was fantastic. And one of the healing leaders, a guy called Colin Dye, who's actually written quite a good book on healing ministry, he got up and gave testimony about some time he spent in Africa and how God had used that time to actually introduce him to healing ministries and how he'd been sceptical, you know, which for a, a Pentecostal seemed a bit <laughs> unbelievable, knowing how how keen they are on spiritual giftings. But he talked about it, and then this guy got up, and he made, a, he made a, um, an appeal for people with certain types of conditions. And one of them was exactly my condition. Now, you might think they're probably, you know, big camp, a few people with that condition. But just something in what he was saying that was stirring up something in me. And I thought, I've got to go forward when I have the, the call, you know. Despite how I felt about healing myself, I've got to go forward. And the guy came up to me, and I wasn't even aware that he touched me when he prayed for me. But the presence of God just leapt from him. And before I knew it, I was on the floor. Now, I never go down when people pray for me. But I must have been down for nigh on half, half an hour, I think. And when I got back up, all the pain had gone. God had reached out and touched me. Because this guy realized that he was just a vessel. And God could move through him. He wasn't trying to control the situation. He was listening to God and being used by God. And, you know, to this day, despite the fact that I'm trying to build some resistance in, I can still touch my toes and feel no pain. I don't really have much problems with my back. The difference between someone listening and someone trying to force the situation in James, we are given a little bit of an elaboration on, on healing as well. Because if we are praying for someone and nothing seems to be happening, 
James says this in chapter 5, starting at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If we do think that our prayers have been ineffectual, then we can actually go to the elders and the elders can anoint the person with oil and pray for him. Now, I don't believe there's anything other than a symbolism in the anointing with oil. You know, I'm not into the superstitious element of healing. But, I do think there is something in faith. And we would hope that the elders in the church have faith if they're going to be elders. You know, I'd hate to think that we're in a church where we're appointing men without faith, uh, faith to eldership. And that's why James talks about the power of a righteous, uh, sorry, the prayer of a righteous man having great power. You know, a description of a righteous man is someone who touches Jesus regularly. A man who's built his faith on his relationship with God. The same faith that the woman had in Jesus, that she would be healed. To me, that's a key to healing. It's faith. That something's going to be done. So here's the challenge to us. Are we prepared to reach out and touch God? Or are we happy to occasionally bump into him at meetings? Are we prepared to let Jesus use us as a vessel? Let God use us as a vessel? Are we willing to be touched by Jesus? So we can touch others. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.